In the new Cold War that is being waged right now between NATO on one side and Russia and China on the other side, a huge part of this new Cold War is economic warfare, and especially in the form of the battle over fossil fuel. We saw that for years, the largest exporter of oil and gas to Europe was Russia. And the United States for, for many years has been trying to break the economic relationship between Russia and Europe. And the proxy war in Ukraine, which began in 2014 with a US-backed coup, was all about trying to break off Europe's relations, especially its economic relations with Russia and making Europe economically dependent on the United States. And the proxy war in Ukraine that accelerated this year, 2022, in February, when Russia invaded Ukraine and the West imposed a series of harsh sanctions on Russia that prevented Europe from importing a lot of Russian energy. And so what has happened? The United States has made up for a lot of the loss of Russian energy exports to the European Union. And Europe has become heavily dependent on U.S. energy. The United States is now the largest exporter of liquefied natural gas in the world as a product of the proxy war in Ukraine. And this brings us to a very controversial topic that has been in the headlines for several days starting in September. That is the, the sabotage of the Nord Stream pipelines. On September 26th, these two pipelines that are right next to each other, they go from Russia to Germany. They were sabotaged. There were a series of explosions. This has been acknowledged by Western governments. So the fact that, that they were sabotaged is not really up for dispute. The question is who sabotaged them? Now, of course, we don't have a smoking gun that proves with 100% certainty who sabotaged these pipelines, but there is a lot of evidence pointing in certain directions. And what I'm going to be doing today in this episode is reviewing a lot of that evidence. Like, for instance, the CIA knew weeks before the explosions that there were going to be attacks and the CIA told Germany beforehand. We also know that the U.S. State Department and the head of the, the Secretary of State, the head of the State Department, Antony Blinken, he repeatedly referred to the explosions of the Russian pipelines as a, quote, tremendous opportunity and boasted how the U.S. is now being able to export more and more liquefied natural gas to Europe. Um, this is also a tremendous opportunity. It's a tremendous opportunity to once and for all remove the dependence on Russian energy. We also know that literally one day after the explosion of the Nord Stream pipelines, there was a new pipeline in the Baltic Sea, a direct competitor to Nord Stream that was opened officially by Norway, Denmark, and Poland. These are NATO members. And Norway has become the largest gas exporter to Europe, replacing Russia. And Norway is going to make a lot of money now sending gas to Denmark and Poland and other parts of Europe through this new pipeline that was opened one day after the explosions that destroyed the Nord Stream pipelines. Extremely suspicious. It, it is absolutely not a coincidence. We also know that the U.S. President Joe Biden, he had threatened before Russia invaded Ukraine in February. Joe Biden said in a meeting with the German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, he said, that if Russia invades Ukraine, the Nord Stream 2 will not, will not function anymore. We will put an end to it, he said. And then a journalist asked and said, well, how can you do that? And he said, we have ways of doing it. If, uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine again, then uh, there, will be, uh, we, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. He wasn't the only one. Also, the State Department spokesperson, Ned Price, a former CIA agent, former in scare quotes, he also said something very similar in January. He said, if Russia invades Ukraine, we will put an end to Nord Stream. And the third in command of the U.S. State Department, Victoria Nuland, she said the same thing. And I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. Victoria Nuland was also the architect of the coup in Ukraine in 2014.
that overthrew Ukraine's democratically elected president, Viktor Yanukovych, and installed a pro-Western puppet regime. Meanwhile, the United States has become the world's largest producer of liquefied natural gas. So all of the evidence points away from Russia and points toward the United States and its allies who have benefited greatly from the sabotage of these pipelines. I've done a lot of research. I've gathered so much evidence and I published it in an investigation over at multipolarista.com. It's titled, Who Sabotaged Nord Stream Pipelines? U.S. Boasts Tremendous Opportunity to Weaken Russia. CIA knew. So everything that I'll be talking about today in this episode is based on this investigation that I conducted. For people who want to read the investigation with links to all of the sources I mentioned, I have a link to that in the description below. So I want to start looking at a map here for people who are watching and not just listening to the podcast. Nord Stream, as I mentioned, were two different pipelines that went from Russia and went, sent natural gas through the Baltic Sea to Germany. Now, the reason this was built is one, it was actually built at the request of German industry. It was not Russia that initially had this idea. It was German companies that wanted to buy cheap Russian energy. And another reason that Russia liked the idea is because it removed Ukraine as a middleman. Ukraine is already getting, still now is getting billions of dollars in transit fees because of the other natural gas pipelines that go from Russia through Ukraine. I have a map here. These include the, the Soyuz pipeline, the Brotherhood pipeline. There, there are other names for some of these pipelines. But the point is that Russia has to pay Ukraine billions of dollars in order to send its gas through Ukraine and transit fees. The Nord Stream pipelines removed Ukraine as a middleman, which meant that Ukraine is losing billions of dollars that it made in transit fees, and it expedited the delivery of gas to Germany, which is the industrial hub, the industrial superpower within Europe. So who gains from destroying the Nord Stream pipelines? Of course, the United States gains. It is sending even more natural gas, liquefied natural gas to Europe, which is much more expensive than the Russian gas. But now with the pipeline sabotage, there are fewer options for Europe to buy that Russian gas. Who else benefits? Ukraine benefits because it's still trying to get more transit fees from Russia. And also it economically does damage to Russia, which is in Ukraine's interest because there's a war going on between Russia and Ukraine. Who benefits as well is Norway. This is an issue we'll be talking about. Norway has become the largest provider of gas to Europe, replacing Russia, which had previously been the largest provider of gas to Europe. And not only does Europe not only does Norway benefit because it's providing more gas, but there's another key detail in this controversy that has gotten almost no coverage in mainstream corporate media, and it's really shocking to me. And that is that one day after the Nord Stream pipelines were sabotaged on September 26th, we saw that there was a new pipeline that was opened that is a direct competitor to the Nord Stream pipelines. That is called the Baltic Pipe. Here is an article in German state media, DW. Now note, it was published on September 27th. That is one day after the explosions that sabotaged the Nord Stream pipelines. And it is so striking to me that in the vast majority of Western media coverage of the sabotage of the Nord Stream pipelines, they don't mention this glaring detail that you cannot absolutely understand the controversy without keeping in mind. That is that one day after the sabotage of Nord Stream, Poland, Denmark, and Norway opened their own new pipeline in the Baltic Sea, which is a direct competitor with Nord Stream. It was opened one day after, and this pipeline is called the Baltic Pipe. It was created to stop 
Europe from buying Russian gas and instead buy Norwegian gas. And here is German state media DW boasting, quote, Baltic pipe speeds up exit from Russian gas. Government representatives from Poland, Denmark, and Norway have opened the new Baltic pipe, a pipeline which will take natural gas from Norway via Denmark to Poland through the Baltic Sea, cutting off Russia's Nord Stream pipelines. So that is an extremely important detail that needs to be analyzed more. Now, furthermore, there are other very suspicious details about this, this scandal. The response of Western governments to the sabotage is also extremely suspicious. This is an article in a local newspaper in Denmark, which reveals that Sweden, Denmark, and Norway are actually blocking Nord Stream from examining its own pipeline. That is to say that this pipeline has been sabotaged and the company that runs, that owns and operates the pipeline is not allowed to inspect its own pipeline. So we're only allowed to hear what Western governments are saying, which are members of NATO. Denmark and Norway are members of NATO. Sweden just joined, just applied to join NATO. So Nord Stream 1 and 2, these pipelines are owned and operated by a company called Nord Stream AG. That company is not based in Russia. It's based in Switzerland. And it has European investors, but it, it, it's majority owned, 51% owned by Gazprom, which is the Russia, Russian state-owned gas company. So this company, which is 51% owned by Russia, based in Switzerland, with investments from other European companies, is not allowed to investigate its own pipelines that were bombed in various suspicious explosions. Instead... These NATO members are saying, oh, we'll investigate it. You can't investigate your own pipeline. So this is extremely suspicious behavior. And at the same time, the United States is greatly benefiting from Europe's refusal to import Russian energy. Here's a report in July from the U.S. Energy Information Association, the EIA. The United States became the world's largest liquefied natural gas exporter in the first half of 2022. I'm going to come back to this data later because it shows how the United States is directly benefiting by making Europe completely dependent on US energy instead of Russian energy. And also Norway, another member of NATO, is greatly benefiting from this. So while the US has become the world's largest exporter of liquefied natural gas, this is another report at the US EIA that shows that in the first four months of 2022, U.S. liquefied natural gas exports to Europe drastically increased. And I'll talk more about this later as well in the analysis. But the point to keep in mind is that the United States is directly benefiting from all of this. And the United States and Norway are going to make a lot of money because of the sabotage of the Nord Stream pipelines. So this leads me to one of the, the fishiest details in this scandal. And this is a report from the German media that shows that the CIA knew there was going to be an attack on the Nord Stream pipelines before they happened. This is a report in Reuters as mainstream as Western media gets from September 27th, the day after the pipeline attacks. It's titled CIA warned Berlin about possible attacks on gas pipelines in summer. Now we should all ask many questions about how the CIA knew this attack was going to happen but at the same time, we should also look at what the CIA is saying now, because, of course, the U.S. spy agency is the master of disinformation and information warfare. And we now see that the CIA is trying to spread this ridiculous conspiracy theory, accusing Russia of blowing up its own pipelines. So the CIA knew about these attacks beforehand. And then here we have former CIA director, and I say former in scare quotes again, CIA director, ex-CIA director John Brennan, he said Russia is the most likely suspect for the alleged sabotage. It's not just alleged. We know now it's, it was sabotage. So the CIA, the Masters of Information Warfare, are trying to make us blame Russia for destroying its own pipeline, which makes no sense, which only helps the U.S. and Norway. It only helps NATO and helps Ukraine. This conspiracy theory that's being promoted by the CIA is even crazier when you consider that Russia has already been considering repairing 
the Nord Stream pipelines, looking into potentially how they could uh, repair and how much it would cost to repair these pipelines. This is a report in Russia's state media outlet TASS. It says Novak considers possible repair of Nord Stream with time and funds required. It includes a quote from the Russian Deputy Prime Minister Alexander Novak, who said, it is technically possible to repair Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 pipelines, though much time and funds will be needed. So Russia has talked about the possibility of repairing these pipelines because Russia wants to export its gas to Europe to make money and also to improve its relations with Europe. But of course, the United States, its ultimate aim here is to cut off Eurasian integration integration of the European economies with the Russian and Chinese economies. That's the U.S. goal in the new Cold War here. And furthermore, Russia has talked about the possibility of repairing the pipelines. But what was Germany's response? Now, this crucial detail has been interestingly left out of Western English language reporting. I only could find this in the Spanish language European media. This is a, a, an energy website in Spain that focuses on European, the European energy industry. And it was published October 5th, and it reveals that Germany reiterated that it will not receive gas from Nord Stream 2, even if it can be repaired. It, it talks about a press conference in which the vice spokesperson of the German government, Christiane, Christiane Hoffmann, she said very clearly that Russia has been talking about repairing Nord Stream 2 to send gas to Germany. And she said, they have proposed this and we say, no, nice try. So the German government is clearly saying to Russia, we don't want your gas even if you repair the pipeline. So that's another key detail in the story that just really needs to be kept in mind. Now, what has the response of Moscow itself been? This is an article in Reuters, it's very interesting, titled, Putin ally compares Nord Stream sabotage to CIA-backed attacks of 1980s. The Russian government pointed out that the CIA has a history of carrying out attacks on pipelines exactly like this. And this article is very funny because this, you know, Reuters is a British-based Western government propaganda mouthpiece. I mean, it's, it's like the leading propaganda arm of the Western media. And... This article it hilariously refers to the leader of the Russian Security Council, Nikolai Petrushev, as an ally, a close ally of Putin, which is really funny because that's like referring to the U.S. National Security Council as close allies of Biden. Obviously, they're allies. They are part of the Russian government and they work with the president anyway, whatever. So this is just propaganda. But there are some interesting quotes here. So it points out that Vladimir Putin himself referred to the attacks on the Nord Stream pipelines as, quote, international terrorism. And the secretary of the Russian Security Council, Nikolai Petrushev, he said, quote, let me remind you that a similar situation occurred in 1983. At that time, saboteurs recruited by the CIA organized attacks against Nicaragua which led, among other things, to blowing up an oil pipeline in one of the ports. He pointed out that the, the U.S. government has a, has a history of blowing up pipelines. The U.S. also, the CIA, carried out similar terrorist attacks on civilian infrastructure in, in socialist East Germany during the first Cold War. This, is, this was documented in the book Killing Hope by William Bloom that the CIA carried, carried out bombings and attacks on civilian infrastructure, including pipelines and railroads in East Germany. So the CIA has a long history of doing attacks like this. And in the case of Nicaragua in the 1980s, this was part of a terrorist war in which the CIA trained and armed fascist death squads who massacred civilians. And one of the former leaders of the Contras, who were backed by the CIA in Nicaragua, these far-right death squads, one of their former leaders, Edgardo Chamorro, He's admitted that he said in the New York Times that the Contras burn down schools and hospitals faster than the Sandinistas can build them. So this is the kind of terrorism that the United States has sponsored, the CIA has sponsored. So it would not be new at all if a spy agency like the CIA was behind these attacks in uh, the Baltic Sea blowing up Nord Stream. So now for this part of the episode, I have gathered a series of clips, video clips, 
in which U.S. government officials openly threatened Nord Stream 2 and pledged that if Russia invaded Ukraine, that Nord Stream 2 would be shut down by any circumstances. As former CIA director and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said, the U.S. government will do everything to stop Nord Stream 2. These are comments that were made by current Secretary of State Antony Blinken after the sabotage of Nord Stream 2. And these are comments that are officially at the website of the Department of State. It's from a press conference on September 30th. And Blinken was meeting with Canada's foreign minister, Melanie Jolie. And he made very revealing comments. You can see in the official transcript at the State Department website. He repeatedly referred to the sabotage of Nord Stream as a tremendous opportunity. He used that term three times. He said it was a tremendous opportunity. So here are those clips of Anthony Blinken. Ultimately, um, this is also a tremendous opportunity. It's a tremendous opportunity to once and for all remove the dependence on Russian energy and thus to take away from uh, Vladimir Putin the weaponization of energy as a means of advancing uh, his uh, imperial designs. Uh, that's very significant. And that offers tremendous um, strategic opportunity for um, for the years to come. Now, why did the the head of the U.S. State Department say that the explosions of the Nord Stream pipelines were a tremendous opportunity three times? Well, he, he also revealed in this press conference here that it's a tremendous opportunity for the U.S. fossil fuel industry because the U.S. is now able to increase its gas exports to Europe. Here's that quote. We've significantly increased our um, production as well as um, making available to Europe liquefied natural gas. Um, and we're now the leading supplier of LNG uh, to Europe to help compensate for any uh, gas or oil that it's losing as a result of Russia's aggression against Ukraine. Now, it's not just the U.S. fossil fuel industry that is benefiting from the explosion of Nord Stream. It's also the Canadian fossil fuel industry. Canada's foreign minister, Jolie, she said very similar comments about how the Nord Stream explosions offer an opportunity for Canada to send more gas to the United States, which is then sent to Europe. Here's that clip. So to add to that, uh, indeed, we have increased our production uh, and therefore by increasing our production, we have exported um, to the U.S. Uh, for it to be um, to be eventually sent um, to to Europe. Um, Jonathan Wilkinson, Minister of uh, Natural Resources, have been in close contact also with his counterpart on this. Um, <clears throat> looking forward also where Canada can really make a difference is uh, through our new Kitimat LNG uh, facility, which will be uh, uh, able to provide the LNG uh, starting 2025 and therefore increasing production, lowering prices. This will be also helpful for European friends. So there we have the U.S. government and the Canadian government blatantly saying that the U.S. and Canadian fossil fuel industries, they benefit from the explosion of Nord Stream, the, the sabotage of Nord Stream. This is for them a tremendous opportunity as Blinken repeated three times. Well, also Ukraine benefits. Here's a report in Politico noting that Ukraine has been fighting Russia to pay it transit fees. So while they're at war with each other, and while Ukraine is taking tens of billions of dollars from NATO, from Western governments to wage this proxy war in Russia, Ukraine is trying to force Russia to pay it billions of dollars in transit fees to send gas to Europe. This article in Politico is titled Russian gas flows across Ukraine jeopardized in transit fee spat. The article notes under a 2019 transit agreement, Moscow is on the hook to pay for 40 billion cubic meters of gas to flow through Ukrainian pipelines, whether the gas is actually sent or not. In total, Ukraine expects to earn $7 billion dollars from the deal that runs to 2024. So Ukraine is saying, yeah, even though we're currently at war with each other, even though you're not sending that gas to Europe right now, you need to pay us the transit fees for the gas that is not being sent through our country. So Ukraine has been trying to make billions of dollars from transit fees. And they say that if Russia is going to send that energy to Europe, it should send it through the pipelines that go through Ukraine and not through the pipelines 
that are in the Baltic Sea, the Nord Stream pipelines, showing the different, the, the, the different complex networks of pipelines going from Russia to Europe, including the pipelines going through Ukraine. There's also the Yamal pipeline or Jamal pipeline that goes from Russia through Belarus into Poland. And Nord Stream is on here, but what is not on here is the new Baltic pipeline that was created by Norway, Denmark, and Poland. This map shows the new Baltic pipe, this gas pipeline that also goes through the Baltic. And by the way, it goes right off the coast of this island, Bornholm, which is exactly where Nord Stream was sabotaged. And again, a day after Nord Stream was sabotaged, this new European Union-sponsored pipeline that was being built by Norway, Denmark, and Poland, one day after the sabotage of Nord Stream, this pipeline was opened and celebrated by the European Union. But nothing to see there, no coincidence. Now, there's another really shocking piece of evidence here that really points toward the West in the sabotage, specifically toward the United States. And that is that a top Polish government official responded to the attacks on Nord Stream by publicly thanking the United States. Now, this became a big scandal in Europe because it's basically a top European politician admitting or arguing that the US government blew up the Nord Stream pipelines. This is Radek Sikorski. He previously served as foreign minister of Poland and also separately as defense minister of Poland. So he's a top level official. He's now a member of the European Parliament from a right wing party, pro Western, pro NATO party. And he's so pro US that he's actually the chair of the European Parliament delegation for the United States. So he is the top figure in the European Parliament for US relations. He's as pro-U.S. as it could possibly get. In fact, he's married to a notorious U.S. neoconservative figure, Ann Applebaum, who's a hardline anti-Russia hawk. This guy, I mean, he is basically as close as you can get to being a U.S. politician without actually being from the United States, while being European, you know, in his passport at least. And he tweeted on September 27th, one day after the explosion in Nord Stream, he tweeted a photo of the aftermath of the explosion and said, quote, thank you, USA. So he's clearly implying that the United States blew up the pipelines. He's thanking Washington for blowing them up. And by the way, this photo, which shows the huge amounts of natural gas leaking out of the pipelines into the Baltic Sea, this is extremely bad for the environment. It goes without saying. So these these imperialist politicians in Europe who claim that they, you know, they try to greenwash, they claim that they want to fight climate change and they attack countries in the global south, especially countries with socialist governments like Venezuela, who use oil revenue to fund social programs. They attack them for using those resources to help people. Meanwhile, these imperialists are the ones that are destroying the planet and they're blowing up pipelines. Well, allegedly, according to this top Polish politician who said that the U.S. did it. Now, in response to this, of course, there was a big scandal in Europe and Sikorsky deleted the tweet. But fortunately, thanks to this, one of the best websites out there, archive.today, it was archived many times for posterity. So this was as close as we have to a smoking gun. I mean, it's just really incredible that he just said it out openly. Thank you, USA. Now, there were also some really good independent researchers on Twitter who found out some very important information about the sabotage of Nord Stream that should be kept in mind that once again raises a lot of alarms. So in 2015, the Swedish authorities found a, a drone with explosives right by Nord Stream 1. And the, the country of origin of the drone was never identified. Here's a report at the website Pipeline Technology Journal from 2015, titled Explosive-Laden Drone Found Near Nord Stream Pipeline. So that is a, a very shady detail here that there was a drone discovered with explosives near Nord Stream back in 2015. But not just that. This, I, this goes to the independent researcher uh, Bidet Marksman on, uh, at, at Bidet Marksman on Twitter. Um, 
funny name, but a brilliant researcher, a lot of good stuff. So he also found that in June of 2022, so that is just a few months before the explosions uh, near Nord, the, the, the sabotage of Nord Stream, NATO had its annual military exercise in the Baltic Sea. And this year's exercises included the U.S. Navy using drones to clear sea mines near the Nord Stream pipelines. He's noted, where did the U.S. Navy conduct these drone exercises? Right next to the Danish island of Bornholm, which is the same island near where the Nord Stream pipelines were sabotaged. What another crazy coincidence. Furthermore, he also found that in August, as recently as August, a few weeks, one month before, exactly one month before the sabotage of the Nord Stream pipelines on September 26th, on August 26th, the British Navy also had military exercises training the Ukrainian military on how to use underwater drones. So these are extremely suspicious details that we really need to keep in mind once again when we're talking about the sabotage of the Nord Stream 2, 1 and 2 pipelines. I mean, blaming Russia for blowing up its own pipelines is, is really crazy. So now I want to talk about what U.S. President Joe Biden himself was saying about Nord Stream. And this is an article in Reuters back on February 7th, 2022. Now, Russia didn't invade until February 24th. So this is weeks before the Russian invasion. And the headline is, Biden pledges end to Nord Stream 2 if Russia invades Ukraine. Now, this is an incredible video clip. If, uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then uh, there, will be, uh, we, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. What do, what, how, will you, how will you do that exactly, since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control? We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. So going back to that clip from Biden before Russia invaded Ukraine, it certainly does raise some eyebrows, doesn't it? Well, that's, by, that's just the beginning. That's by no means the only quote. This is a report from Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, which is a U.S. government propaganda organ. And back in July 2020, two years ago, the former CIA director turned Secretary of State Mike Pompeo pledged that the U.S. government will, quote, do everything to stop Nord Stream 2. Here's that clip. Further on Russia, two weeks ago, the State Department removed Nord Stream 2's exemption under CATSA. And in December, the administration's swift implementation of PISA, an important bipartisan endeavor, effectively halted construction of the pipeline. We're the toughest administration ever on Russia. Nord Stream 2 threatens European energy security, increases Russian monopoly over the region. It, to me, is the, this pipeline is a Russian trap. Uh, strongly support your recent announcement aimed at stopping this dangerous pipeline. As you know, Congress is uh, working to quickly provide the administration with additional tools uh, to prevent Nord Stream 2 from uh, ever being completed. Um, the last few weeks, both the Senate and House passed their own versions of the National Defense Authorization Act, includes new bipartisan Nord Stream 2 sanctions. Uh, could you talk about the administration's commitment to opposing the Nord Stream 2 pipeline and applying sanctions against those companies aiding in the completion of this R Russian trap? You know, the, the irony is that this administration is accused by some of not being tough on Russia. I mean, this President Trump personally took on this. He saw that this was a threat, uh, that uh, this pipeline being threat created enormous leverage for Russia, not only against Germany and broader Europe, but Ukraine as well. Uh, and so uh, we set about and with, with good support in Capitol Hill, uh, we got legislation that was appropriate to uh, now have delayed this project significantly. We need further tools. We're prepared to use those tools should you provide them uh, to us. Uh, and, and we've also used our diplomatic capabilities uh, to make clear to countries that we're going to do the other end, too. Right? We're going to make sure that American LNG can be sold into these countries. We want Europe to have a secure, stable, diverse uh, set of energy opportunities. And 
Uh, our Department of Energy has worked alongside of us to do that. Uh, and our ENR Department, uh, Assistant Secretary Fannin, are, are working to make sure that Europe has real, secure, stable, safe energy sources that cannot be turned off in the event that Russia decides they want to do so. We think Nord Stream 2 is dangerous in that respect. We do everything we can to make sure that that pipeline doesn't threaten Europe. But those threats from Biden and Pompeo are by no means the only threats from the U.S. government. Here is the official transcript that was published by the U.S. State Department after its press briefing on January 27th. So this is a month before Russia invaded. This features Ned Price, the former CIA agent turned State Department spokesman. It also features Undersecretary of State Victoria Nuland, who's the third in command of the U.S. State Department. Victoria Nuland was the one of the key architects of the U.S.-backed coup in Ukraine in 2014 that result that started this war in the first place. I'll talk about her in a second. But this is a quote directly from the official transcript in which a journalist asked about Nord Stream and Victoria Nuland says, if Russia invades Ukraine, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. Here's that video clip. Um, with regard to Nord Stream 2, uh, we continue to have uh, very strong and clear conversations uh, with our German allies. And I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. John, uh, how, do you, how can you say that for sure? Where does your confidence come from on that? As I said, we've had extensive consultations at every level uh, with our German allies. I'm not going to get into the specifics here today, but we will work with Germany to ensure that the pipeline does not move forward. So we have threats from Joe Biden himself, from Mike Pompeo, from Victoria Nuland. There are also threats from the State Department spokesman, Ned Price. This is an article in Reuters from January 26th, again, a month before Russia invaded. It's titled, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward if Russia invades Ukraine, State Department says. And this mentions a quote from Ned Price, the CIA agent turned State Department spokesman. And he said, just like Victoria Nuland, he said, I want to be very clear. If Russia invades Ukraine one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward. And then he added, I'm not going to get into the, spe the specifics. I am not going to get into the specifics. We will work with Germany to ensure it does not move forward. So what were those specifics? Good question. As Pompeo said, it includes everything, and everything sure includes a lot of things. Now, Victoria Nuland, who made this threat back in January, she was, she, there was a leaked recording of her back in 2014 in February, just a few weeks before the U.S.-backed coup that overthrew Ukraine's democratically elected president, Viktor Yanukovych, who was a neutral president. He tried to balance the West against Russia and have independent foreign policy. Well, Victoria Nuland was there physically in Ukraine in 2014, supporting the coup plotters. And there's a leaked phone recording of her speaking with the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Jeffrey Piat, in which they say very clearly who the leaders of the Ukrainian regime would be after the U.S.-backed coup, the violent coup in 2014 that was led by far-right extremists. And lo and behold, a few weeks later, this, the new prime minister of Ukraine was Yatsenyi Artsenyuk, who is a right-wing politician who Victoria Nuland said in the phone call a few weeks before the coup, she said, Yats is the guy. He has the experience. She said Yats needs to be in power. And he became prime minister. So uh, I don't think Cleet should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tani Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week. So Victoria Newland is one of the architects of the Ukraine coup that started the war in Ukraine in 2014 that led to 14,000 Ukrainian deaths between 2014 and the end of 2021 before Russia sent a single troop in. Those are statistics from the United Nations. The United Nations has said 14,000 Ukrainians died. And the majority of civilian casualties were in Donbass, which, which 
was Eastern Ukraine. Now it's been annexed by Russia after these popular referenda in which the majority of people in Donbass voted to join the Russian Federation. So all of that history of the, the eight years of war in Ukraine before Russia invaded on February 24th of this year, they were erased. But Victoria Nuland and the U.S. government, they are responsible for starting that war by organizing a coup in 2014 in Ukraine. And then, of course, she says that Nord Stream is going to be, well, she doesn't say sabotage. Nord Stream will not move forward, as she said, if Russia invades. Russia invaded, Nord Stream was sabotaged. But it actually wasn't just U.S. government officials that threatened Nord Stream before Russia invaded. It was also the German government itself. This is a tr an official transcript posted by Germany's Federal Foreign Office website. And this is from February 18th. So this is a week before Russia invaded Ukraine. And it's the transcript of a speech by Foreign Minister Annalena Baerbock when she spoke at the NATO-sponsored Munich Security Conference. And in this speech that she made at the NATO-backed NATO Munich Security Conference, she said that if Russia takes action against Ukraine, that the, Europe is going to impose sanctions that would be without precedent. And she said, for me, for us, all options are on the table, including Nord Stream 2. So this is very clearly the German foreign minister saying that if Russia invades Ukraine, Nord Stream 2 is going to be dead. Here is that video clip of the German foreign minister speaking. We are determined with a view to the actions and measures that we're preparing in the event of uh, Russia uh, acting against the Ukraine. These sanctions are un or would be unprecedented and have been coordinated with all our partners and have been prepared with them. We in Germany are ready to pay a high price for that in economic terms. That is why all options are on the table. Also Nord Stream 2. Now, those comments are very, very revealing because it's really Germany and Europe as a whole that are hurt the most by this proxy war in Ukraine that NATO is waging on Russia. European industry is going bankrupt. The energy bills for average people in European countries are skyrocketing and it's become completely unaffordable to heat your house in the winter. Many small businesses are, are, are going bankrupt and even entire industries are going bankrupt or leaving. They're leaving Europe. And German industry, German capitalists have warned that they're going bankrupt and they're, they're threatening to leave the country. And German labor union leaders are saying that they're, they're going to lose all of these unionized jobs, these good unionized jobs, because they can't afford energy. And that means that German industry is not competitive. So the fact that the German foreign minister says we are willing to suffer economically, well, the U.S. is sacrificing Europe at the altar of U.S. imperialism to try to wage a proxy war on Russia. And by the way, I should point out that German, Germany's foreign minister, Annalena Baerbock, she's from the so-called Green Party, which is, despite its name, not green in any way. It is not in any way a left-wing party. It is a center party, a neoliberal party, really a center-right party. It strongly supports NATO. It strongly supports war. It strongly supports U.S. imperialism. There's nothing progressive about the German Green Party. And as they said, they're willing to sacrifice themselves at the altar of U.S. imperialism and suffer economically in order to weaken Russia. Now, all of this context is what led even some mainstream figures in US, the U.S. political class to say that they suspect that the United States might be behind these attacks on Nord Stream. And specifically, there was a clip that went viral of Jeffrey Sachs, who's a professor at Columbia University, one of the most elite universities in the United States, an Ivy League school. Jeffrey Sachs, ironically, He's an economist, and he ironically was one of the architects of the neoliberal capitalist shock therapy that was imposed on the former Soviet Union in the 1990s. He was, he was partially responsible for creating these brutal capitalist policies that were imposed on Ru post-Soviet Russia that led to millions of excess deaths, that plunged millions of Russians into poverty, including children, millions of Russians into malnutrition that led to the life expectancy of Russians to decrease by several years. Ironically, he was one of the architects of those brutal capitalist shock therapy policies. And he has since, you know, 
done a kind of a 180, apologized for some of that. And he's become, you know, a little more skeptical of U.S. foreign policy. He's criticized the U.S. war on Syria, the proxy war on China, or the proxy war on Russia, the new Cold War with China. And he made very interesting comments in an interview with Bloomberg. Now, this, this video was completely censored by Bloomberg. But I'm going to play this clip here, and we can see a very well-respected mainstream figure in the U.S. political class saying that the United States might be behind attacking Nord Stream. The main fact is that the European economy is getting hammered by this, by the sudden cutoff of energy. And now uh, to make it uh, definitive, the destruction of uh, the Nord Stream pipeline, which I, I would bet was a U.S. action, perhaps U.S. and, and Poland. Uh, this is uh, right, Jeff, Jeff, we got to stop there. That's a, that's a quite a statement as well. Why do you feel Absolutely. that that was a U.S. action? What evidence do you have of that? Well, first of all, there's direct radar evidence that U.S. Uh, helicopters, military helicopters that are normally based in Gdansk, uh, were uh, circling over this area. We also had the threats from the United States earlier in this year that one way or another, we are going to end Nord Stream. We also have a remarkable statement by Secretary Blinken last Friday in a press conference. That he says, this is also a tremendous opportunity. It's oh. a strange way to, it's, uh, sorry, it's a strange way to talk if you're worried about the piracy on international infrastructure Professor. of vital significance. So I know this runs counter to our narrative. It runs, you're not allowed to say these things uh, in, in, uh, in the West. But the fact of the matter is, all over the world, when I talk to people, they think the okay. U.S. did it. And just to tell you, well, and, and by, by the way, even reporters on our papers that are involved tell me privately, yeah, well, of course, but well, it doesn't show up in our, our media. Professor, I, I want to get into tit for tat about what did or did yeah, not yeah. happen with Nord Stream because I don't have the evidence and we don't have a, a counterbalance to this. Now, so I want to focus uh, once again a little on the competing pipeline in the Baltic Sea that was inaugurated one day after the Nord Stream pipelines were sabotaged. This is the Baltic Pipe. And I'm looking at the official website. And if you go to the bottom of the website, it says very clearly this project is co-funded by the European Union. And what's interesting is if you look at the press release that was published on September 27th, the day when they opened the pipeline, the day after Nord Stream was sabotaged, they have quotes in here that make it very clear that Baltic Pipe is all about weakening Russia's, weakening Russia's economy and preventing Russia from exporting gas to Europe. It's, it's, but this is always what it's about. If you look at the quote here from the Polish Minister of Climate and Environment, Anna Moskwa, she says, we have been preparing to gain independence from an unreliable partner, the Russian Federation. She added, in these uncertain times, our situation is stable. In the aftermath of Russia's aggression against Ukraine, the domestic but also the European energy sector is now at a turning point. At a turning point. Here is a quote in this press release from the Polish government official for who oversees strategic energy infrastructure. He said that this is this the, the new Baltic pipe will go down in history as a symbol of breaking away from our country's long-standing energy dependence on Russia. So all of these officials they said they made it very clear the point of this pipeline is it's trying to weaken Russia economically and create a new com competitor in the Baltic Sea. Here is an article that was published in Offshore Technology. Norway-Poland gas pipeline opens, aiming to suppress Russian supplies. Once again, this is one day after Nord Stream was sabotaged. And it includes some interesting quotes, including a quote from the Polish prime minister, who said, the end of Russian domination in the field of gas is coming to an end. So once again, making it clear, this is all about weakening Russia. It also included a quote from Norway's energy minister. And I said earlier, Norway is going to gain a lot from this, as well as the U.S. fossil fuel industry, because Norway has become the largest exporter 
of gas to Europe, replacing, energy, replacing Russia. Here's a quote from Turje Asland, who is Norway's energy minister. He said, it is an important step on the important road to Europe's independence from Russian energy. And the article points out that it received hundreds of millions of dollars in funding from the European Union. Now, in terms of how Norway, a NATO member, is profiting from the destruction of the, the sabotage of the Nord Stream pipelines, this is a report in the business website, SNP Global Commodity Insights. And this is from October 3rd, and it's titled, Norway Deploys Military to Protect North Sea Oil and Gas Assets. Points out, Norway has beefed up its military presence around the North Sea where crude grades are produced, crude oil, following the sabotage of Nord Stream gas pipelines and an investigation into drones observed near Norwegian oil and gas installations. This article notes, Norway is currently Europe's top oil and gas producer. And the website adds, Norway's importance in energy terms has been elevated by a steep reduction in supplies of Russian gas via pipeline following the invasion of Ukraine. And keep in mind here that Norway is not only expecting short-term financial gain, but long-term financial gain from the sabotage of Nord Stream and the end of Russia's energy uh, partnership with Europe. This is an article from Reuters in August. So this is before the sabotage of Nord Stream. It says, Norway eyes high gas output until 2030, says energy minister. And it includes quotes from the same figure, Terje Asland, who said, I expect that we can maintain the production levels we are at now until 2030. Norway currently has its highest gas production ever. And it, and it expects to maintain its highest gas production ever until at least 2030. And the Norwegian energy minister said, we see that there are projects and also plans for development and operation coming now that can help maintain the high gas volumes going forward. So Norway is expecting to, to continue to profit while Russia is not going to be exporting its energy anymore to Europe. Now, this website right here, this is the official European Union website, and this is it shows data from 2020. It's ec.europa.eu, and it shows the, the countries of origin of energy imports into Europe. And again, this is as of 2020. So this is before the, the escalation, this new escalation of the proxy war in Ukraine. And... It pointed out that Russia was the main EU supplier of crude oil, natural gas, and solid fossil fuels. That means coal. It notes that it noted that in 2020, 29% of oil imports to Europe came to the European Union came from Russia. 9% came from the US and 8% came from Norway. So the majority did not come from Russia, but the plurality, nearly 30%. In addition, 43% of the EU's imports of natural gas came from Russia in 2020. 43% double Norway. Norway was providing 21% of gas imports into the European Union. Norway is not part of the European Union, but it is part of NATO, and it works a lot with the European Union. Russia was providing 54% of coal imports into the European Union, and the United States was providing 16%. So in 2020, and even until very recently, Russia provided the plurality, not the majority, but the plurality. It was the largest provider of, of energy, of gas and oil to the European Union. Now, it also depended on the country. So Germany, for instance, as of 2020, this graph shows that Russia provided 66%, that is two-thirds of gas imports to Germany. So Russia provided the vast majority of gas for Germany. Norway provided 20%. So we're seeing a massive tectonic shift. And who's benefiting? Not only Norway, but of course, the U.S. fossil fuel industry is greatly benefiting from the decline of Russian energy exports to Europe.
So this leads me now to the final part of my analysis, which is how the US fossil fuel industry is benefiting from the destruction of Nord Stream and in general from the proxy war in Ukraine against Russia. As I said at the beginning of this analysis, we need to always keep in mind, what is the strategy of US imperialism, of US imperial planners? They want to break the economic alliance between Europe on one side and China and Russia on the other. This is about making Europe economically dependent, politically dependent, and militarily dependent on the United States. NATO is, of course, a US-led imperialist military alliance. That's what the US capitalist class is trying to do, is trying to basically, in some ways, colonize Europe and turn Europe into a captive audience for US products, not only energy imports, but other manufacturing products. So they have a guaranteed market for US products. So turning Europe into a captive market and also preventing Europe from having economic independence, which means that in the future, the US will always have this very strategic part of the world under its economic thumb and can use it to try to weaken its geopolitical adversaries, China and Russia. So the US fossil fuel industry is greatly benefiting while European industry is going bankrupt because of this proxy war against Russia. And I, I spent several hours going through reports that were published by the US Energy Information Administration, the EIA. This is an arm of the US government, of course, and it is extremely revealing if you read what it's boasting of in its press releases. Now, of course, most journalists don't look at this because most journalists are lazy and propagandists for the US empire, but it just says everything. The US EIA is boasting of how Washington is really profiting from the end of Russia's energy partnership with Europe. Here's a, here's a press release published on September 26th, ironically the same day that Nord Stream was sabotaged. It's titled, the United States exported record amounts of petroleum products in the first half of 2022. And there's a graph here and it shows that the, the, the US is now exporting more petroleum products than it has ever exported since records started being kept by Petroleum Supply Monthly in 1973. Now, where are those uh, petroleum exports going? Here is another report from the EIA, the US Energy Information Association from June. US liquefied natural gas exports to Europe increased during the first four months of 2022. We can see that US LNG exports are now going the vast majority to Europe. Before, many of them were going to Asia. Now they're going to Europe. So while Europe can't buy the very cheap Russian gas that previously it was importing because of sanctions, instead, Europe is buying much more expensive US liquefied natural, liquefied natural gas, LNG exports, that are up to 10 times as expensive. So the US fossil fuel industry is profiting as Russia is no longer able to export its energy to Europe. Here is another incredible graph from the US EIA, the US Energy Information Association. It, this is from July. The United States becomes, became the world's largest LNG exporter in the first half of 2022. So the US now produces more liquefied natural gas than any other country. This means profits for all these private corporations. And you can see that number keeps increasing and increasing. And again, that LNG is going to Europe. So the US is profiting while, energy, while Europe goes through an energy crisis. Furthermore, not only is the US the world's largest exporter of liquefied natural gas, the US also is producing more liquefied natural gas now, or more, not just liquefied natural gas, natural gas period. The US is producing more natural gas now than it was before the pandemic of COVID-19. COVID now, of course, what happened in 2020 with the pandemic is that there was a decrease in energy, a rapid decrease in energy consumption with partial lockdowns and all of that. So there was a massive decrease in the production and export of energy. But we now see that the EIA is boasting that US natural gas production is at the highest level it's been since before the pandemic, and it continues to increase. 
Here's another report from the U.S. Energy Information Association boasting that U.S. liquefied natural gas export capacity is going to continue to grow because the U.S. is currently building three additional projects. And it shows a graph that U.S. LNG export capacity is going to keep growing and keep growing until 2026. So once again, the U.S. is profiting by sending more and more LNG to Europe to make up for the decline in Russian energy. Here is a, a graph boasting in which the EIA says very clearly, Russia's natural gas pipeline exports to Europe declined to almost 40-year lows. And you can see very clearly, this was in August before the sabotage of the Nord Stream pipelines, that in 2020, there was a decline because of the COVID pandemic. And then as tensions grew in, 20, in 2021 with the escalation of the proxy war in Ukraine, leading up to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and then the Russian, the Western sanctions on Russia and the, their pledge to no longer import Russian energy, a massive decline in Russia's natural gas pipeline exports to Europe. So this is, this clearly shows, I mean, it's just, it's one in one. Russia's energy exports to Europe are declining. U.S. LNG exports to Europe are increasing and Norway's are increasing. So the U.S. and Norway are directly profiting. Now, the difference is in, in Norway, at least its petroleum is run, managed by state-owned companies. In the United States, these are all profit, uh, pro private for-profit corporations, huge corporations that are making money and profiting as Europe's economy suffers. And finally, here is another graph from the EIA talking, saying that Europe imported record amounts of liquefied natural gas in 2022. We see France, Britain, Spain, the Netherlands, Italy, Belgium, Portugal. They're importing record amounts of liquefied natural gas, LNG, which is much more expensive, up to 10 times more expensive than the cheap pipeline gas that was being sent by Russia to Europe before. So Europe is destroying its economy with this energy crisis. Average people in Europe are paying way more for LNG. Their, their houses are not going to be warm this winter. It's going to be a brutal winter. European countries are rationing the use of energy. And the U.S. fossil fuel industry and Norway are profiting from this. So who benefits from the sabotage of Nord Stream? The United States and Norway and Poland. Who does, who does not in any way benefit? Who is hurt by it? Russia. Why would Russia blow up its own pipelines that it spent billions of dollars investing in? Very good question, right? And then after spending those billions of dollars, why would Russia offer to pay to potentially repair the Nord Stream pipelines? And then Germany said, no, they're not interested. Well, finally, I want to conclude by talking about something important, which is that while these, the U.S. empire is waging these proxy wars to try to destroy Russia, and it's destroying the environment, and we really need to talk about the impact, all of these fossil fuel wars, these, these geopolitical struggles, they come at a time of climate catastrophe. It, capitalism and imperialism are destroying the world. They're quite literally destroying life on the planet, the, sustain, the, the possibility of the environment to sustain life on this planet, at least human life. Cockroaches will survive. And this is so ironic because Joe Biden, this, you know, center-right neoliberal Democrat who he constantly criticizes Donald Trump rightfully and the far-right Republican Party rightfully, and yet he continues their same policies. Here's a report in the, in the Washington Post. And this is back in December of 2021. This problem has only gotten worse since then. It's titled, Biden is approving more oil and gas drilling permits on public land than Trump, than even Donald Trump. So Trump, his, his, he was working very closely with the fossil fuel industry, which funded his campaign. He was telling them, drill, 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 baby, drill, baby, drill. And meanwhile, Biden is doing the same exact thing. Biden is approving more drilling permits on public lands than Trump. And there's a graph here you can see. At least in his first year, Biden had a higher per average of approved onshore oil and gas drilling permits than Trump did than Trump did in the first three years of his presidency. And that's probably going to increase now as the U.S. tries to profit from 
the decline of, of Russian energy exports to Europe. This is a report from an environmental group called the Center for Biological Diversity. It was published in January 2022. New data shows Biden's first year drilling permitting stomps Trump's by 34%. New federal, federal data shows the Biden administration approved 3,557 permits for oil and gas drilling on public lands in its first year, far outpacing the Trump administration's first year total of 2,658. The uh, someone, uh, this figure at the Center for Biological Diversity said, Biden's runaway drilling approvals are a spectacular fail of climate leadership. Avoiding catastrophic climate change requires ending new fossil fuel extraction, but Biden is racing in the opposite direction. So while the U.S. empire is trying to, is threatening, is, is really quite literally risking nuclear war, Zelensky, the Ukrainian puppet leader, he said that the West should wage preemptive nuclear strikes on Russia. So they're threatening the literal destruction of the world, the planet, through nuclear apocalypse in the short term, and in the long term, they're also threatening destroying the planet through climate change. The U.S. military is the world's largest institutional consumer of fossil fuels. The U.S. military, the U.S. war machine, the military-industrial complex, U.S. imperialism is the largest factor contributing to climate change and environmental collapse. So while we're talking about all of these geopolitical struggles, of the US and Norway trying to get control of the energy market in Europe and profiting from it, and the explosion of Russian pipelines. Meanwhile, the world is quite literally being destroyed. The possibility of life on this planet is being destroyed. And then there's the nuclear threat, which I mean, it's just so, the possible of nuclear war just destroying life on all the planet. It, it, is, it is mind blowing. The irresponsibility of these Western imperialist powers who claim to be the supporters of freedom and democracy, who lecture other countries about human rights while they're destroying the planet and threatening life on Earth, all life on Earth. It is extremely reckless, it is extremely dangerous, and the explosion of pipelines is just making all of this even worse. It's escalating the situation, and as I have showed in my reporting, the West continues to sabotage any attempts at having a peace process, of having peace talks to end this horrific proxy war in Ukraine. So this episode has been long enough. It was a very long investigation. I spent a week doing detailed research. Anyone who wants to find all of the, the sources that I talked about in this episode, you can find all of those links in my report at multipolarista.com. I have a link in the description below. I wanna thank everyone who watched or listened. And if you wanna support the independent journalism I do, the reporting that I do, at Multipolarista, you can go to patreon.com slash multipolarista and you can become a patron. Or if you want to donate via other forms, including PayPal and other ways, you can go to multipolarista.com slash support. I really appreciate anything that you can contribute. It goes a long way to supporting this independent reporting that I do as an investigative journalist. I don't have any backers. You know, I don't have any institutional backers. All I have are small donations from places like Patreon and PayPal. So if you can contribute anything, thanks a lot. And even if you, if you can't contribute, I appreciate you listening to this long analysis. I think it's important to show actual fact-based investigative reporting and not just go along with the propaganda in the Western corporate media. I will see you all next time. This is Ben Norton reporting from Multipolarista. Thanks a lot.